Today on Ag News Daily. And I don't know if Ann Landers or Dear Abby or anybody really fully understands the implications of a farm family or what it's like to be in business in this very volatile industry. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is a Friday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. We've got a fun interview coming up a little bit later with, uh, well, with our good friend Elaine Cub, and then with one of our next podcasts on the Global Ag Network. But I am joined today by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you? Not too bad, Mike. Do you have anything you want to tell me? Do I have anything I want to tell you? Boy, whenever somebody asks that question, I know I'm busted for something. Nothing? I I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm innocent of it, whatever it is. There's <laughs> nothing you did wrong. Oh. Okay. Today a, well, is it, isn't me. today a special day? Not for me. <laughs> Mike. Is it a special day for somebody else? Yes. What could that day mean? <laughs> Are you not going to tell me happy birthday? Oh, happy birthday, Delaney. I already did. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But I think you forgot. I absolutely did. I was reminded when Facebook told me that you and like five other friends have birthdays today. <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh, thank you, Facebook. Facebook, I think, has saved more friendships yes. and marriages than, you know, that birthday and anniversary reminder is key. Really, you should just like guys should just insist that their anniversary is the same day as their birthday or their wife's birthday. Cause I think they'd have a better chance remembering it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. No, you don't think you would. Mm, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to open that can of worms. Cause if it's the same day as your wife's birthday and you forget now you're in the doghouse for twice as <laughs> long true. because you forgot two dates at the same time. Mm, true. And these these infractions don't just compound, they compound geometrically. It's not, you know, if you just forget one and then oh, 10 months later you forget the other. Eh, okay, you know, you're, you're in, you know, deep dog poo. If you forget <laughs> both at the same day, oh, man, oh, the not gates good, huh? of hell are opening. <laughs> okay, I believe you. I wouldn't know. I don't have a spouse. Or a significant other, so... Listeners, pay attention. Delaney is on the market. Stop. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Well, what we need to be saying, Delaney, before we get to talking to Elaine Cub and then our next podcast uh, to join the Global Ag Network, is what's going on in the news on this Friday. Any big pieces of news that our listeners need to be aware of? Uh, yes. Unfortunately, there's a huge piece of news I was reading today, and that's President Trump running his mouth again about imposing more tariffs. He has now said, besides the $200 billion that he was already considering, which are going into effect, going into effect very soon, he is now considering an additional $267 billion worth of tariffs that could, quote, take place very soon, depending on what happens. And he said, I hate to do it, but behind that, there is another $267 billion ready to go in, go on in short notice if I want. This would make, if, if that $200 billion plus the $267 billion go into effect, that would make it more than the price of goods that we export to China. I think it's like $505 billion worth. Uh, yep, but flipped around. So basically, Import, I'm sorry, it's, yep, imported. it's more than the total amount of goods we import from China. Yes. Would be, uh, would be slapped with tariffs. And, uh, you know, from President Trump's perspective... 
that's something I think he'd be fine with is, yeah. you know, if, if the if the goal is to whatever, bring jobs back to the U.S., then, you know, raising the cost of goods from China is, is one way to do that, or at least it's a way to make U.S. consumers quit buying things from China. You know, even if that means some folks are just going to go without stuff. Right. Yeah. That's kind of scary, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's the biggest change in the global trading system we've seen since you or I have been sentient. And it's probably right. the biggest change we've seen since the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. I mean, as far really? as trading partners, yeah, switching the balance of power up. So it's mm. it's certainly very different. But on President Trump's side, we had a comment today from the Federal Reserve Board boss down in Dallas. The president of the Dallas Federal Reserve, Robert Kaplan, came out and said that picking the trade war fight with China was, quote, the right fight to pick. And he said, quote, if we stop right now in terms of overall U.S. economy impact, it has been modest. He said, if, however, uh, no, sorry, if it widens out to more goods or goes on longer, we'll have to reserve the right to revisit this and see what it means. And then he went on to say, we'll probably get things figured out with Europe and with NAFTA fairly quickly. But he said these battles with China could go on for months or even years. Could yeah. be a fairly protracted trade battle with China. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Because no. when I get asked that question, it's like, that's so hard. And I feel for, like, the analysts and trade experts that we ask that question to when they're like, okay, realistically, how long do you think this is going to last? I hate that question, but it, and it sucks because you're like, well, from what I see and what I've talked to other people, it sounds like not the end of this year. Right. And I think part of what makes it such a hard question to answer, and listen, listeners, I'd, I'd love it if, if you guys have any thoughts or could clarify this, get on our Facebook or Twitter page at Ag News Daily and let us know. I, I don't think we have any clear objectives yet, mm -hmm. at least with regard to China. Trump has said he yeah, wants to lower the trade right. deficit and he wants to bring back jobs. Well, Who was I talking to? Yeah, it's like if he maybe it was a conversation you and I have even been having with someone recently, but it's like, okay, if they do come to the table, President Trump, do you know what you want to ask for? Right, right. I mean, is a 10% reduction in right. the trade deficit good enough? You know, we had that when the recession hit in 2008. Is a recession that shrinks the trade deficit going to be enough to drop these tariffs? I, I would hope not, because that certainly isn't a, a real measure of economic improvement if we're in a recession. So I, I don't know. I, I wish the administration would come out and say, look, this is what we want. We want U.S. manufacturing jobs to grow by X percent, 12 percent, 15 percent. And we want the trade deficit to shrink by half. Then we could go, OK, well, you know, so far the trade deficit with China has actually increased since we've put these tariffs into effect. So it has you know, gone backwards mm -hmm. on one scale and manufacturing does seem to be picking up. So maybe they're working on that. I don't know. It's, I don't know. it's all up in the air. It is. Well, actually, something that might not be up in the air for much longer is how the USDA basically put together their farmer assistance package. So we talked about yesterday how national wheat growers and corn growers were both calling on the administration to release that. And it sounds like that might actually happen to some extent, Mike. Oh, yeah. really? So going against my prediction yesterday. Yeah, it sounds like so Secretary Purdue made a comment apparently to reporters um, talking about that and saying that 
They want to be, quote, as transparent as possible when they explain how the payments were calculated. And the explanation could come from the USDA's chief economist, Robert Johansson, when he testifies before the Senate Ag Committee next week. Okay, well, we will stay tuned. I'm sure a lot of folks would like to see what that algorithm looks like. Yes, I think that that will be very interesting. He said, you know, if you look at where tariffs were enforced, where we had shipped corn and whatnot, that's basically how the calculations came out. So not offering a lot of insight yet, but might be possible. Man, might be. Well, we'll see. It'd be good to get those out in the open, I think. I'd certainly be a lot less skeptical if if those formulations are released. I think a lot of producers would be as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I was talking a little bit earlier about uh, job growth in manufacturing, and, you know, it'd be nice if we had some benchmarks there. But uh, we do have one benchmark, and it exploded in the month of August. Job growth accelerated, and wages have hit their largest annual increase in more than nine years. So since the recession hit, we finally had the largest growth in wages, and it has happened here during President Trump's administration. So that's certainly going to be considered a uh, a win for the president, and I think it's, broadly speaking, just a win for America. These are folks who now have a little more dollars when they go to the grocery store. They're able to maybe spend a little bit more money at restaurants and dining out and buying Niche products and paying Mm -hmm. a premium. Agriculture. Find a way to get creative. Delaney, I don't know if you saw this, but I posted something on Twitter uh, earlier this week, maybe, and it was uh, was from 7-Eleven. Did you see this? I don't think so. Tell me about it. So, listeners, follow along with me here. Iced coffee. Delaney, I know you're not much of a coffee drinker, but have you ever had iced coffee? Yes. Like a frappuccino? Yeah. I mean, it's just cold coffee, right? Then no. Probably not had it. Okay. Well, so iced coffee, though, has caught on with a lot of coffee drinkers. It's, you know, supposedly it's smoother, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Okay. So 7-Eleven wanted to get in on this iced coffee business. And they've been selling coffee, of course, for a long time. Convenience stores all sell coffee. So what they did is they went out and they took little plastic cups, they put lids on them, and they filled them with ice. And they're selling them as iced coffee, just add coffee. I saw this. I saw this. Well, I was at the gym. It was on the news. It's genius. It's, it's so genius. It's dumb, though. I mean, it's dumb that people would ever buy it. But they will. See, and I that's know. the thing. Agriculture, what can we do that's like that? I mean, that's the, the convenience store version of squirrel corn. You know, you know about <laughs> squirrel corn, don't you, Delaney? No, what's that? So squirrel corn, if you are in any urban area and you go into like a, I, I don't know, pet food type store, you will see they've got sacks of ear corn, corn that hasn't been shelled. It's, it's you know, cobs with the kernel still on it. Usually there's like five or six uh, uh, ears of corn in a sack, and they're for sale for like five or ten bucks a bag. And people use it. They stick it out on feeders, and they feed squirrels with these ears of corn. It's the greatest scam of all time. <laughs> so really and what I- we need to do is just – Start picking field ears and just selling them to like some rich uppity grocery yeah. stores like Whole Foods and call it squirrel yes. food. Yes, yes, yes. Squirrel corn. That's the way <laughs> to do corn. it. Squirrel corn. Right. Squirrel corn. I mean, that's there are millions of dollars Protecting to be made in the environment, business. saving the squirrels. Yeah, people love squirrels for whatever reason. I think they're annoying. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind them, I guess. Of all the different critters that are out there, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ambivalent towards squirrels. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to spend $5 on 
six ears of corn to keep them fat and happy. <laughs> Interesting. You're always yeah. about the new marketing ploys. Yeah. How else can we part a sucker from his dollars? That's my mm -hmm. everlasting question. Well, that's a good question for McDonald's because they are rolling out a new program to see how it will work in the U.S. So we kind of talk about McDonald's a lot because they do some weird things, especially internationally with food. So they've got like in Finland, they've got the McVegan burger, which sounds gross. Yeah. Then they've got Japan's pumpkin and chocolate sauce french fries. They've got the Uruguay caramel-filled pancakes. Um, but apparently a lot of Americans have been complaining, saying we want to have special foods or we want to try these you know, weird and exotic foods that you're rolling out elsewhere. So uh, McDonald's announced this week that it's taking those international foods, and for a limited time only, they're going to begin testing them testing four popular global items in 50 locations in South Florida, and they're calling the campaign Flavors from Abroad. So here's what they're going to offer for people located in Florida. From Spain, they're offering the Grand McExtreme Bacon Burger, which is a single or double fresh quarter pounder topped with McBacon sauce, applewood smoked bacon, Gouda cheese, and slivered onions. That actually sounds pretty good. Yeah, I'd give that a try. Then from Malaysia, they're offering the barbecue McShaker fries, which are your usual McDonald's fries served with a smoky barbecue seasoning. Hong Kong, they're offering, from Hong Kong, they're offering the McSpicy Chicken, which is a crispy chicken filet marinated in spicy seasonings and topped with mayo and lettuce. And then from the, from the Netherlands, this is my favorite one, they're offering the Stroopwafel McFlurry. Oh, I love but break that waffles. down for us. For those of us who are Americans, oh, okay. what the heck is a Stroopwafel? You've never had a Stroopwafel? I have. I'm asking, okay. you know, to explain it. Okay. I had them when I was in the Netherlands, but they're so good. So they're basically like, almost like a wafer cookie or a wafer cookies. I think the best way to describe it, it kind of looks like a wafer cookie and it's got caramel. Um, it's kind of vanilla-y. It's almost like a wafer cookie or like a coffee cookie yeah it's like a flat round yep. wafer cookie yeah and big and round it's not the or, long or like a waffle cone cakes. like a waffle cone that you get ice cream yeah. it's like that but caramely and a little softer i had uh cookies and cream vortman wafer cookies for lunch today <laughs> oh my gosh I'm paired with whole milk it was delicious oh uh, whole milk is gross what no it's not yeah it's for babies and old people no, whole milk is for anybody who wants to stay fit, get an ample supply of protein, and protect their uh, their brain from uh, the ravages of Alzheimer's. The I think fat content in milk. It's on, it what? Feels what? what the heck kind of whole milk are you drinking? I'm not drinking That's whole milk. That's called cottage cheese. <laughs> you don't drink it. <laughs> I don't fact, drink same whole milk. Don't touch it. I <laughs> I like cottage cheese. However, whole milk. Yes, you would. <laughs> whole milk just feels like really thick compared to skim milk or 1%. Well, yeah, because skim milk is, as Ron Swanson said on uh, <laughs> Parks and Rec, it is milk that is, is water that is lying about being milk. <laughs> well, I like it. Well, drink whole milk. It's, no. That's so sad. That, <laughs> that's not going to happen. All your bones are going to shatter because you're not getting enough uh, mm. wholesome calcium and so well, forth. Well, Mike, did your drinking whole milk help the dairy market today? Probably. Probably more than your drinking gross skip milk did. <laughs> Thanks. Why don't we get into the market? No, not yet. I've got one other piece of news here, Delaney, and this okay. is coming out of Brazil. We've talked a lot about Brazil. They're uh, 
election system is one of the ones that makes our election system look completely rational and sane. And they are in a presidential election year. Yes. Um, oh, I forgot yes. about this. Yes. So we've talked about the the fellow who would have been the leader, mm-hmm. but he is currently in prison. Lulu. And the Supreme, what's that? Lulu. Yep. Um, and so they've upheld that. So now, of course, the contest is wide open. The guy who was leading as of yesterday uh, is a man by the name of Jair Bolsonaro. Uh, Bolsonaro. Uh, yesterday, he was at a rally being carried on the shoulders of his supporters. And this is the man who is leading in the race for Brazilian presidency. He was knifed in the stomach. Oh, no. Uh, he's 63 years old. He was taken to the hospital. They've currently got him uh, stable. But, uh, you know, that that's the situation down there in Brazil. So as we think and talk, and I've been doing this perhaps as much as anybody, about Brazil growing their soybean acres, you know, Brazil agriculture, you know, modernizing, blah, 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 blah. A lot of that kind of depends on having a relatively stable political system. Otherwise, why would you make the investment in, mm. you know, turning additional ground into soybeans? And, you know, maybe... Their political system is such that we won't see that much of an increase next year in acres if growers aren't feeling confident. So yeah, interesting. Worth worth keeping an eye on. Definitely. Wow, I didn't realize that that had happened. Yeah, it happened happened late yesterday. Okay. So it was kind of a late breaking news down yeah. in Brazil. It was an evening rally. Wow. Um, but that does it. Let's jump into the markets. Delaney, what do you say? Let's do it. We're going to talk markets, but folks, we are traveling next week with our market sponsors, the guys from the Zaner Group. Ted Seifert and Matt Zaner will be with us. We'll be making a trek across northern Iowa, southern Minnesota, looking to talk to growers, looking to connect with folks who listen to the podcast, who are growing corn and beans, talk about your operation, learn a little bit more about your part of the world. Reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Ag News Daily, or uh, find us on the website. You can hit submit and uh, let us know. We'd love to drop in and see you. And the Zaner guys have been fantastic supporters of this podcast. Taking a look at the markets here, as we finish the week, we've got mostly green on the screen in the grains. In the corn pit, the September contract down, oh, excuse me, up three quarters of a cent at 354 and a quarter. December also up three quarters to close at 367 even. In soybean, the September contract up five and a quarter, finished at 832 even. November up four and three quarters, closed today at 844 even. In wheat, we've got mixed trade here in the Chicago contract. September, which is in delivery, was up a quarter at 480 and a quarter. December down two and a half cents to finish at 5.11 and a quarter. Big strength today in the meats. In live cattle, the October contract up $1.05 at 109.95. The December up 70 cents at 114.42 and a half. And in feeder cattle, September up $1.20. Closed the week at 152.97.50. October up $1.42 and a half. Finished at 152.95. And in lean hogs, front month, October up 67 50 to close the day at 55.65. The December up 12 and a half, finished at 56.80. And of course, we've got to take a look at the dairy market, see if my whole milk consumption did them any good. And it didn't. In the front month September contract, that was down six cents, closed the week at 16.23, while the October was up 10 to finish at 16.52. Let's kick it over to our good friend, Elaine Cub, get her thoughts, and then hear from one of the next podcasters to join the Global Ag Network. Well, we were talking to our good friend, Elaine Cub. We caught up with her last week at the Farm Progress Show. And Elaine, bring us up to speed. What's happening in South Dakota? How do the crops look up there? 
well, right around where I am, they don't look as good as, you know, all of these anecdotal reports or the crop tours suggest. So there's the areas down in southeastern South Dakota, which is basically northwestern Iowa, and things are beautiful where it's not flooded. So they also received those heavy rains recently flooding. That's not ultimately good for yield. So nobody's really happy. But where I am, the corn definitely started firing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so north of Pier, anything up in that region has been received very spotty rains this summer. And it's that happy. And I think that's that's kind of true for the entire Corn Belt, right? Like, nobody's happy. Everybody's got something they can complain about this year. And yet, overall, the expectation is going to be for a pretty large crop of corn. What about when we look at acreage as expectations for 2019? You're in a big wheat country. Do a lot of producers there anticipate planting more acres, moving more acres out of soybeans into wheat or corn or other commodities? I think yes. So if we lived in, in a world where there wasn't a lot of market interference from the government, we'll just leave it at that, then yes, I think absolutely farmers would be looking at going back into spring wheat next year. Uh, it, 20 years ago, where I'm from, was big spring wheat country, big small grains country, and then everybody kind of shifted over to corn and soybeans and the row crops. But then this year, because of the price motivations, uh, everybody dug out their wheat drills, and we did see 20% greater uh, spring wheat acreage. And I think folks had a good experience with that this summer, yield-wise and price-wise. We got this nice boost from Europe and Australia. So I think that did well, and those prices are still there for next year. And yeah, that would be the motivation if we don't let things, you know, uh, tempt us away with some sort of tariff aid package or whatever. Yeah, and Elaine, that's, I've, I've got to bring it back to that topic. We had the announcement here late uh, mid last week from Secretary Purdue about you know, $1.65 for 50% of your soybean production, a penny for corn and wheat, 14 cents. In your conversations with growers, when you're looking at people, do you think most folks anticipate that there will be another round of stimulus and so they'll make their planting decisions based on the check that comes post-harvest from uh, Uncle Sam? Well, I think that has to be the expectation that either this trade will normalize, and and I do think the markets would respond immediately, right? We would have a very immediate response from that, and prices would improve dramatically for soybeans just by normalizing that trade relationship. And then you wouldn't need to have the trade aid package in the next marketing year. But if the trade war continues, I think the expectation, I mean, you've, you've bought off your voters, they're going to expect to continue being bought off. How much more do you expect those prices to normalize or rally when a trade and if a trade deal goes into effect? I mean, I guess they can't go $1.90 in a day, but they, it took them two months to get down that far, so they might recover in roughly the same, the same fashion. I, I will caution that there's extra bearishness in soybeans now because of the, the drop in the Brazilian currency. That's a big bearish factor that is potentially going to drive soybeans even lower than that July low. But I think the recovery, would, the recovery expectation is that to recover all of it or recover you know, normalcy with Brazilian or competi competitive prices with Brazilian prices. Now, Elaine, uh, before we let you go, I wanted to catch up with you. We've talked trade an awful lot. Folks are sick to death of hearing about trade. Now with the crop tours going through, we're kind of getting sick of hearing about yield. When you look out from 50,000 feet of the ag industry, what are some of the trends that are jumping out at you that you don't think we're talking about enough that we need producers to be more aware of? Well, uh, my column that I just uh, filed was uh, about these soybean spreads. You know, so the soybean market is very bearish until you start looking past sort of July of 2019. And then the futures spreads are only going to pay you about a, uh, a penny per bushel per month. 
So that to me suggests that the commercial market is seeing something happening in the last half of 2019 that the soybeans will find a home. And I don't know what that is. And I don't know, maybe that'll change and get better very quickly if the trade normalizes. But, but that's where I'm looking, is that something seems to be an expectation for demand to, to materialize for soybeans eventually. All right. Well, Elaine, we appreciate you speaking with us. We're going to turn it over now to your friend Agnes, who is joining the Global Ag Network. Agnes, thanks so much for joining us. It is, of course, a pleasure. Agnes, tell us, you're starting the Ask Agnes podcast on the Global Ag Network. What's the thought process behind that? Well, so I'm a big fan of um, advice columnists, right? You've got Ann Landers, Dear Abby, Dear Prudence. I love all of them, but I feel like the advice that people seek, things about usually family advice, right? Like should, should grandma and grandpa move closer to the grandkids or um, career advice, things like that have a different flavor when they're coming from people in the agriculture industry. And I don't know if Ann Landers or Dear Abby or anybody really fully understands the implications of a farm family or the, the, what it's like to be in business in this very volatile industry. So I felt that it was really important for the agriculture industry to have an agriculture-specific advice columnist. And it's not going to be a columnist. It's going to be an audio advice podcast. So that's, that's what we're going for. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about Ann Landers and Dear Abby and all the others, you know, they've got experience in being a family, you know, having kids and grandkids and so forth and so on. And Agnes, you've got experience. You grew up on a farm. You're, you're a farm girl by birth. You've worked off the farm. You're back on the farm off and on. And you're traveling all over the country. Do you think that gives you a little bit more insight into uh, how to approach these kind of problems when the listeners submit questions? I think that helps. So if I was going to describe myself, I would say that I'm, you know, in my 30s, so I've had some life experience, but not as much as other people, and yet people always seem to ask me advice as if I'm a little old lady with a lot of wisdom. I get I get unsolicited questions from people all the time about career advice or marketing advice or just personal advice or problems with their family advice, and I thought, well, as long as people are going to be asking me these questions, you know what, I'm going to answer them. And how are you going to answer those questions? How can people submit their questions to you, Agnes? Ah, that is the really critical point of this podcast. It's only going to work well if people do, you know, come to the Global Ag Network for the things that they're wondering about. Um, any sort of farming problems, marketing mysteries, personal predicaments. I hope that folks would email their questions to agnesanswers at gmail.com. That's A-G-N-E-S answers at gmail.com. Now, Agnes, one of the cool things about a podcast is, of course, it's auditory. It's one thing to email a question, you know, type it out, tip a tap, and you read it. What's another way folks could do it? Yeah, I really want to hear the voices of the people who have the questions. So this is a little extra step for the advice seekers, and you're welcome to use your own name or use an anonymous name or however you want to do it. But ideally, you could send in your questions as an MP3 or a WAVE file, and we'll just you know, we'll let the listeners hear your question in your own voice. And you can send that file to agnesanswers at gmail.com. And, Agnes, when you look out and you think of all the people that have asked you questions, you know, of course, you're here with your friend Elaine Cub. Has she ever come to you for advice that you've, you've helped put her on the right track? I think we both have a lot of the same problems and can really, can really you know, sympathize with each other. So, yeah, she's a, she's a good resource. And you, you've touched a little bit uh, on it, but can anybody submit any type of question, or are they specific to a certain topic, a certain industry? 
Well, the podcast, the, by design, it's going to address two questions per episode. And generally, one of those questions will be like economics or finance or negotiations. And the other question will be something more personal or family related, which, you know, is also kind of a negotiation. Uh, so those are the two broad categories. But I do hope folks ask anything that's on their minds and we'll just see where the podcast goes. Now, Agnes, what happens if somebody sends in a question and it's out of your wheelhouse? You don't have an answer. Do you have resources you can turn to or what do you plan to do? Yes, absolutely. I would like to approach experts. And in fact, in, this, in the first three episodes, I've already got some experts lined up, um, folks, you know, deep in the soybean industry that can address some of these trade issues. I mean, even poor, poor me, Agnes Answers, gets stuck on this trade topic just like everybody else. So yes, we are going to go to experts, people who can really provide good content for the people who ask the questions. Agnes, how long are these podcasts going to be? Eh, 20, 30 minutes. It's going to be in, out, you know, pretty quick. Agnes, are there going to be any other ways that listeners can connect with you? Are you going to be on any social media sites? Well, I would suggest that folks keep following the uh, Ag News Daily podcast and on Twitter and the Global Ag Network, but we do want the questions themselves to come in anonymously, right? We, we don't want the entire world to weigh in on this until, we've, until the podcast itself has taken a shot at it, and then folks can certainly weigh in on Twitter and, and disagree with me if they, if they have something to add. And for submitting auditory questions, probably the best way to do it is just take your phone out of your pocket, hit record on some kind of a voice recording app, and then email it off. Exactly. In fact, yeah, the, the more authentic, the better. I've got a question asker who's got turkeys squawking in the background, and that is just perfect. Well, Agnes, we certainly are excited to see the Ask Agnes podcast launch in a couple of weeks on the Global Ag Network. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Well, it's going to be an interesting podcast. I'm excited to do uh, to have an um, expert opinion kind of a podcast. And was it an opinion column? Is that what they call ask the expert advice, column? Advice column. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be it's going to be really interesting. I think Agnes has some uh, some great perspective. She's got a lot of experience that she'll be bringing to bear for uh, her listeners' benefit. And you know, Delaney, you've talked a lot about my cattle getting out all the time, and mm-hmm. you know. I'm curious. I'm going to have to ask Agnes, what's the best protocol? The <laughs> cattle get out and they trample your neighbor's corn. How do you make it right? Hmm. I don't yeah. know. That's a good one. Good question. I, I think it is. I think, uh, I think Agnes will probably have some insight. But, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, maybe uh, grab supper with us next week because we're coming across northern Iowa. We'll be grabbing dinner in Sioux Falls on Monday, Clear Lake, Mason City. We don't know yet on Tuesday and Dubuque on Wednesday. We'd love to meet you. Give us a holler. Find us at Ag News Daily on Facebook and Twitter or visit the website at agnewsdaily.com. And with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.